I was thinking, right, we've got Loading Bar in London. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, they serve their gaming-based drinks. What if we were to open a gaming-based like, restaurant or cafe that people can go in and sort of all the, all the things on there were kind of gaming-related? Okay. You know? So... If you wanted to um, have, I don't know, the the Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Tarts. Kingdom Tarts? Yeah. yeah that, that, that could be a thing, you know. Do them in the shape of, like, the Heartless and things like that. That'd be great. You realise that could um, double up as, like, a weird themed kind of brothel. Well, you know, d- d- don't don't close your avenues for revenue. It <laughs> could be a thing. We, don't we saw what, the, don't hey. close your avenues <laughs> for revenue. <laughs> Just saying. Oh also, my god! Well, maybe if you don't want some Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Tarts, you want something, you know, a bit healthier, and have some fruit. Why not some Dragon Age oranges? Oh, Jesus Christ. Right? Oh my god. Right? Fine. Okay. How about some Fire Emblem dates then? Would, would that be better? Fire Emblem dates? I hate you so much right now. <laughs> fine. Fine. Okay. You don't want that. You want something, you want something bulky. You want some, you know, comfort food, so to I speak. I like comfort food. I'm built for comfort food. Yeah, right. So how about Chicken Wing Commander? Jesus oh, Christ. A plate of chicken wings <laughs> fit for a commander. I, I, I think that's a yes. Hello there, you lovely people, and welcome to the Game Buzz podcast. I'm Matt. I'm Carl. And you know what time it is. It's time for Nintendo Switch Watch! Yes, because Nintendo keep doing things. They keep they keep In the run-up to the Switch launch. That's, that's right. They keep doing things. And as we mentioned last week, this isn't an actual watch. It's more just... It's like Neighbourhood Watch... But with Nintendo? Because <laughs> we're keeping a, an eye on those creepy neighbours yeah, well, with their new they, console. They can't be trusted. <laughs> they, they, need to be, <laughs> they need to be constantly watched and surveyed because they yes. might trip over their own selves. Um, but yes, Nintendo, Nintendo Switch Watch. Um, and we, we got a little bit more information this week on uh, some of the mini-games coming to 1-2-Switch. Yeah, well, we've now got a total of 16 that we know of. Um, we've seen stuff like the quick draw and, and the milk. Yeah. Where you milk that and cow. The milk and the, mm. and the, the slightly, the slightly odd munching a subway. Um, yeah, but the, the, the one that really came out into the open this week was one called Baby. Where you place the switch into its handheld mode and players must rock a crying baby to sleep and put it down gently without waking it up. This sounds like the, the absolute worst idea. You wouldn't be able to play it at a party because everyone would be too loud, <laughs> or or just scream and just say, "Put the baby down!" and the baby would start crying. It's just like, oh, this dear. So no. the thing is, the thing is, like if you, you know, you know, on TV shows, whenever babies cry. Like, it's yeah. the worst sound. Like, this is the thing. Babies cry because, you know, that's, that's what they do. <laughs> right? It is. They, it is. they are poop machines and, and, and basically just crying emitters. And, and, you know, it's supposed to be like the most piercing worst sound so that, you know, as a parent, you know, the alarm, you know, you want, you want alarms to be good. They want, you want them to be effective. And a baby's cry is a really effective alarm. I don't want that in my recreational freaking relaxation <laughs> party device, which yep. is supposedly what the switch is. This is, nah, plus, plus, you don't even get like a, a freaking, like, like, Baby Mama, for example, came with came with a goddamn doll that you could stuff your Wiimote inside, and then that would be the baby. Here, you don't even you don't even get like the weird, creepy looking doll. And if I'm gonna if I'm gonna play a game called Baby, <laughs> you want the weird, creepy doll. I want a creepy looking baby doll. <laughs> Did we learn nothing from the whole peripheral madness of like? <laughs> Ten I, years ago, like nobody wants the weird doll, nobody wants the plastic toys. Oh, but, but instead, we'll we'll happily rock a flat tablet to sleep, just like real life. Yes, just like <laughs> just like hush by iPad on the treetop. Yeah, stop sending notifications about 
all the stuff. All the stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just so, yeah, again, uh, what are you doing, Nintendo? Like, oh, uh, it's okay, though, because we can play Liar Dice, apparently. That's going to be a thing. That's going to be we a thing. shake the controller around to shuffle the dice where the cups are lifted and, uh, yeah, play with the highest dice wins. It's great. So that's a thing. Man, if, only, if only, if only I, if only I had dice. If only. It's, it's, this is the thing, like, it's still, even though they've announced all of these mini games, I don't think they've still managed to justify the, uh, the price of a full release. I still don't think they've justified it. No. Unless there's some sort of progression system that we haven't heard that's that's so intricate and so deep and addictive that you just cannot stop rocking that baby. I don't... I, <laughs> I don't... I'm not going to buy a Nintendo Switch for baby. Like, that's... Oh, my God. I think... <laughs> I, I actually have no words on this. I just, I just, I really, I just, yeah. I, t- I take a look at one, two, switch, and I just think you we play, but not as focused or cohesive or or good. Um, and yeah, it's the, we've we've said this before. This is this is not the title that's inspiring me to buy a switch. If it was gonna, if there was gonna be a title, it would be Zelda. But Zelda's coming out for Wii U, and hopefully by Christmas there'll be bundles. So I don't know. I don't know. I mean, has has baby swayed you? Well, I was. It's a game. It's no. a game where a virtual like spawn wake waking up and demanding your attention grabbed you by the the balls of interest and gone. Yes, I I must you, own you, these. You 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 do not talk about my balls of interest. Okay, I'm not this, interested. This is a family in, not- show. <laughs> family show. Um, but yeah, you know, I was thinking about, you know, had the, the idea of a, a virtual, but no, 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 I'm, no. And that's Nintendo Switch Watch for this week. That, that is Nintendo Switch Watch. <laughs> Let us know if you're uh, thinking of having a virtual kid with your tablet slash home console. Woo, but the baby only gets to live for up to three hours. <laughs> <with the> battery. <laughs> That's on the back of the book. Just the ending b- on a very dark note there. Yeah, yeah, the asterisk on the back of the box. <laughs> the baby only gets to live for three hours before you charge it. It's like, Jesus Christ. Oh, good God. Oh, God, that, that was quite dark. Let's, let's, let's move on from Nintendo Switch. Let's Watch. move on. You've seen what you've done, Nintendo. You've put us in this position. Jesus. Right, yeah, let's move oh. on from there to something a bit more broad. Let's talk about E3. Let's talk mm. about E3. E3's been in the news this Broad. week. Yes. Um, because for the first time in years, they are opening the doors of E3 to the public once more. 15,000, um, 15,000 people, 15,000 members of the general public will be able to attend E3 this year for the, for the nice price of $249. Um, and yeah, get to basically experience the, weird sales carnival of industrial light and magic that is that is that is e3 that yeah how do we feel about yeah it? How, how do you feel about this well i'm i'm rather torn um like because, natalie and Brulia, yes i am all out of faith you're lying naked on the I floor <laughs> yeah um hey you never know <laughs> You can't see me in this podcast. Mm. Um, <laughs> this so- is a family show. <laughs> it is, but there's there's nothing unnatural about the, fa- like, the, the naked body. Just putting out there. Um, what are we doing? Go back to <laughs> E3. Know. You're the one who brought up Natalie and Brilliant. You're the one that um, said you were torn. <laughs> I am torn. Um, so yeah, basically, it, it, I am. I'm just really conflicted by the fact that. They're opening it up to 15,000 people. Great. But 250 pounds? No, to pounds, 250. Well, okay. It probably is around 250 pounds at the moment. But. Wait, it's, wait, it's, it's more, it's more in pounds because you're, presumably if you're paying in pounds, you have to fly over from the UK. So. Well, <laughs> in that case, it's like double that or even triple. And then you've got to buy the hotel on top of that to make sure that you're kind of nearby so you can get there. Um, but yeah, 15,000 people, that much. It, then you compare that to Gamescom. Yeah, which is both. It is the both the business side and the uh, the consumer side, and they open to hundreds of thousands for a much 
well, a much lesser price. It is, it's, it's a much cheaper price. Um, and it's a bigger space compared to it. You know that all the publishers are going to be there for one thing, because this is, this is something that, um, a lot of people haven't realized that, um, Activision have got their own place, EA have got their own place, Sony have got their own place, even Devolver Digital have their own place. They are not actually at E3. They're nearby, but they're not at E3. And the other thing is that a a lot of people haven't really kind of caught on, is that, yes, you can get your ticket to E3, but that does not mean that you are going to be going to the the press conferences, because they are completely different. Yeah. So if you think you're going to be going to like get involved with the press conference, oh my god, it was there. No, you won't. You won't. Yeah, it's it's a funny one. This like E E3 has traditionally been like a, a sort of trade show mm. in a way. Um, and actually, on a professional level, even when we were working back at Dale's Point, I like so so John went to E3 twice. I went once. Um, and yeah, we spoke about Gamescom actually having done the business and public stuff for for a long time now. It's it's the biggest show. Like technically, yeah. in terms of people through the door, they get over, um, over over a quarter of a million people through the through the doors. Yeah, they did. The, yeah. Um, but in typical German fashion, they split it out, so you have the business floor and you have the public floor. Um, so everyone gets all their work done. Everyone has all the meetings that they need to, and then uh, you know the public get to play all the games that they want. That's just not going to be the case at E3. It's not like no. Gamescom. It's not like EGX. It's not even a very good show for press, to be honest. It's more about sales teams, trade teams. It's more about putting on just a, a massive flashing lights carnival for, for suits. That's, that's what E3 is really all about. Um, it's never like from, from the time when they shut, shut it off to the public to, to now, it's really just been that, just a, just, just a parade for, for people who, who normally work in fairly boring jobs, really. Um, mm. <laughs> and, and, and this is it. Like, I, I think, I think actually for $250, if I went to E3, if all you want is a spectacle, and to be fair, the public don't necessarily always see that. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe it's worth it if you live not too far away from LA. But I, I just, I just think one E3 has been losing its relevance for some time, and as you say, like the publishers have been yeah. kind, of, kind of, kind of leaving. But two, you can have a better experience online. You will see yes. more online. Uh, it, it's, it's such a a weird one to think because I mean, the, don't get me wrong, I can see the appeal of going and saying hey i went to e3 i did e3 and if you know what if you want to have that experience fine but you were going to go there and you were going to queue essentially it is like going to a theme park and um as as a lot of people would have seen with um at egx this year and it's very much the same at e3 some of the experiences will not be hands-on you'll just sit in a in a kind of like a small cinema-esque experience and watch a gameplay video and be bombarded with all of these buzzwords and like oh look at what the character's doing now isn't it amazing isn't it magical and that is what you're going to experience um as you know we've seen from gamescom we've seen from e3 it's that's what you're going to get and yes i get that they need to make e3 more relevant they need to get the punters in because frankly the business is leaving there because it's just not a good investment yeah um at all um but the thing that gets it for me is that it's as you pointed out matt it's not exactly efficient in terms of the business side of things and for journalists to go around and actually cover the games when you throw in the public if they haven't put that separation out i really do hope they have but if they don't put that separation out it's just going to make it hellish for everybody because you're going to have the the client, the business and the media there, and you're going to have 15,000 members of the public walking around. And it's not, from what I understand, the biggest space in the first place. No. So, it, unless there have been some huge changes to the way they lay it out and even handle the booths, I, I do wonder whether it's going to be a successful event for those that turn up. But likewise, I'm probably never going to go to E3. So, that's, that's fine. I'll just stay at home and, and watch everything and um, forget what sleep is. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, God damn. But but you do that, like 
here's the thing. These shows are more accessible from from your couch than they are when you're there. Like, cause when you're, yeah. cause when you're there, you are, you're having to like wade through crowds of people that are going to be even bigger this year because there's going to be 15,000 more. Um, which may very well kind of have an effect on people trying to do jobs there. You wonder. Yeah. Um, but even then, it's like just simply as a member of the public, I, I, I no, <laughs> there is, there is, there is nothing particularly attractive to me in the in in this venture for you know the money that that I'd spend on it. Don't get me wrong. Like if someone said, "Oh yeah, do, do you want do you want to go to E three? Like we'll fly you out there and like that'd be great." Yeah, and I'd be like, "Hell's yeah, that would be pretty cool." Um, and it is pretty cool. But two hundred and fifty dollars for a ticket plus travel expenses plus hotel expenses, and then it's not a show set up for the public. I, no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure if you'd necessarily get a huge, a huge amount after that. Cause it is different to Gamescom. Gamescom is very much, this is for you guys. This is for like 300, 400,000 people that are coming in through the doors. Yes, we have a business yeah. area, but then all the, all the publishers are going to, everyone is, is going to be there anyway. Um, so it's a good place to get business done. You know, you, they split the week in half. Uh, and everyone's gone on a Friday. All, all the business, like, the business area is dead on, dead after like 3 p.m. on a Friday. But then you still got yeah. two more days of public action going on on the main floor. And it's like a sea of people. And it's really exciting. And it's really cool. EGX. Like, yes, yes, you've got the queues, but a lot of people just go to EGX because the tickets aren't that expensive. Um, yeah. the demos, the demos aren't even that. I mean, people have seen them all by that point. All the videos have been probably posted <laughs> online by that point. It's just a good place to sort of yeah. meet up with people. And there are some cool streamer initiatives that go on at uh, things like that too. Um, I think, I think E3, E3 is a shadow of its former self. I think that's irrefutable. Yeah. I think there's a, there's another point. point actually I want to want to make as well. The fact that they're opening it up to the public, but there are so many events that go around um that are at various places in America that is E3 really going to do anything to kind of like land an or well, make an impact because you've got packs both PAX events in America. You've got your Comic-Cons which a lot of games uh, companies now turn up to as well. Yeah. Is E3 really going to make that much of a difference? I mean, yes, okay, you'll have the big announcements at the press conferences and it'll probably be the first chance to get hands-on with them. But, I mean, there, there are a lot of companies that save stuff for packs at various points in the year. So, is it really going to make that much of a big difference? Again, we're not going to know until we get there. And E3 needed to do something to make itself relevant again because of the fact that publishers were pulling out. But is this going to be a way to bring publishers back in? I, I At the moment, I think they're going to be giving it a raised eyebrow and going, hmm... Yeah, it, it, the E3 will have to prove itself, or the ESA, more to the point, yeah. will have to prove that it's worth reinvesting back into the event again because at the moment i mean i don't see it no but and we who knows they they need to sh- they need to mix things up and we haven't even talked about digital distribution as well because there are there are more ways than ever for publishers to get their games into people's hands directly ahead of launch we're seeing more yeah. and more major titles new ips and existing franchises use closed and open betas to drive hype um which, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, the, the word beta has sort of changed its meaning. Like, before it was all about kind of, you know, uh, identifying and fixing bugs. Now, now it's a marketing tool and, and it's a really, really clever one. Um, it's a simple one. It's, it's the Facebook model, basically. You have your closed beta of exclusivity where you've got content creators and, and a, a few thousand or a, or a few tens of thousands of other people basically uh playing word of mouth all that sort of awesomeness then you have your open beta that's where you do your stress testing especially if it's an online game loads of people flooding in um you might even say you can keep your progress that sort of side of things is always it's always a little bit nice incentivizing people to buy the game on release and then and then yeah you you roll it out we've seen ea do this successfully with battlefield we're seeing ubisoft do it successfully with their major ips like for honor has been doing it uh, wildlands yep. um they've been doing it for a long time actually more and more people are using are using beta periods to have get people to play their games because not everyone can go to events like this. So why? And it's much cheaper than than holding an event yeah. like this. So why wouldn't you just distribute? And then there's Nintendo. And as much as we've sort of questioned the Switch and we do Switch Watch and, and all that sort of jazz, the directs have 
kind of worked for them. In terms of a kind of money-saving venture, every single major news outlet covers a Nintendo Direct when it goes live. Yeah. Like, if if these events are just meant to kind of conjure up media coverage, Nintendo have proved that you don't need to spend thousands upon thousands to have a booth at E3 to get people to pay attention to you. You just need to actually put together a, a fairly slick video that and people and people yeah. do and people do your job for you. And a Nintendo actually in terms of live events, they're getting out on the road, they're demoing the Switch on, you know, at their own pace, um using their own road shows. So and and yeah, we've seen we've seen other publishers basically follow suit around the E3 kind of window in the calendar. So yeah, I don't I don't think this is going to make E3 relevant again. I actually don't think there's much that can at this point to be honest. Mm. I mean, the thing is, I think the one thing that kind of like helps it keeps it together is, is so the other publishers know, hey, when are we going to do our big press conferences? Oh, we'll do it around E3 week. And but I suppose they could all just kind of like send themselves like a, have a conference called on Skype or whatever they use and just be like, hey, so uh, are we going to do all our press conferences this week? Yeah, yeah, sure. When are you doing yours? Oh, I'm going to do mine on Monday. Oh, okay, I'll do mine Tuesday. Cool. Right. See ya. Bye. <laughs> That's how business works, kids. That's how it works. Well, I mean, even um, I mean, even yeah. it's like Sony. Sony have their own show throughout the year. Microsoft have sort of toyed with it once or twice. Um, yeah. In terms of like platform holders, you could really easily just completely ditch E3. I actually, I actually, I actually genuinely believe you could. I don't, I don't think it would make the like an ounce of difference. Yeah. Um, and 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 the, I mean, the thing is, if E3 went, you know what would happen? They'd all just go to Gamescom anyway. Yeah, because they know that that's a successful event that people will be there to get hands on with things, and th- we've seen it. We've been to the press conferences there, and the the madness of going to between them. <laughs> Gotta remember the one year where we went like straight from the EA one all the way to the Sony one. Like there were coaches outside, and we went straight there. That's what you don't want, people. You do not want the stress of having to go from sitting in a place where there's a huge guy in front of you so you can't see the stage and see Pele get up and say things about FIFA to then go over to Sony. And um, yeah, it's, it's just like, you, you don't want that madness. Just stay at home, watch it, and so uh, have a massive pizza happy. and loads of beer. Yeah. Like maybe several coffees and Red Bulls. Because this is the thing: you might get free pizza and beer at the press conference, but you will have paid several hundred quid for the travel and the accommodation. So, <laughs> are you really winning? Um, yeah. So yeah, so E three, E three. Not sure. I do think actually, like I, I think actually, the, the remedy, the remedy would be to get as organised as like um, as Gamescom is and have a massive public event because that's the thing packs packs are massive public events this is it like it's i I think trade only shows are pointless these days because now there are so many easy ways to give your audience backstage access like we talked about the relevancy of of the press in the past and how that's that's been changing for for several years um the rise of youtubers and streamers and things like that but now what's happening is like publishers and companies are hiring these guys or they're sponsoring these guys to essentially do the marketing for them um yep. because people don't need to go they'll just log on and watch PewDiePie play a game um or yeah get a whole bunch of battlefield stuff from Jack Frags or someone like that and that's 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 proving just so much more effective than holding massive ridiculous expensive press events um and yeah, so I actually, while, while I don't think E3, while I don't think this makes E3 more relevant, I do think that actually down the line, if it just goes the whole hog and says, oh, f- just screw being a trade show, let's just open it out to 200,000 members of the public, that would be relevant. Yes, that would. Like, I'd- Keep the press at the, the, the press conferences and leave them there and then just have one big hall where the, where basically the public can go. That, that would work. If they basically went down the Gamescom public route, yes. But this, what they've shown with just 15,000 <laughs> members of the public, is not that. No. So. No, it's not. Let's move on. Let's move on yes. from E3. Let's talk about Valve. Because mm. Valve had some news this week. Um, Greenlight. Greenlight, as we know, has been has been something of a mixed bag. Uh, because although it provides a very nice kind of 
easy route towards market on Steam. One of the problems with providing such an easy route towards market on Steam is that a lot of dross has kind of made its way through. Now, I'm not saying Steam's, yeah. Steam's anywhere as bad as like the App Store, which is just an unnavigable sea of knockoffs and mediocrity. But, yep. but you know, they're, like they've, they've, they've recognized that there are things that can be improved with, with Greenlight and have announced that there is a new initiative coming called Steam Direct, where, you know, developers will submit a, a whole bunch of paperwork as, as they have to, and then sort of pay a nominal fee. And I haven't revealed what the fee is going to be yet, though they have sort of maybe placed it kind of between a hundred dollars to maybe five grand. Um, mm. but yeah, what, what do we think about this? What, what's, what's sort of your initial reaction to, to sort of, well, I guess, the publishing fee for Steam Direct and, and this new, this slightly new direction for Greenlight, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that, something had to be done because of the amount of joke games that were getting thrown up. Um, and it was just flooding the market. And it, it also meant that you had really terrible publishers who were just putting out really bad games. Um, just throwing anything up on there. You know, just uh, just get enough votes on green light, just get enough people to or it's kind of like just spam around, do a like a competition. Yes, please do it. Yeah, vote for us, and it would just get on there. They had to do something. I mean, yes, okay, on the app store there is a lot of dross. There are a lot of um, copycat titles, but at least you don't get all the joke games. You've really got to think. It's like, is it really worth spending what hundred or two hundred dollars just to make a joke? You know, it's, 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 having that barrier there is kind of good, but I don't necessarily think it's going to, because some people will just go, actually, yes, this is totally going to be worth spending the money and throwing up uh, the whole thing about Gabe Newell's hair. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what, what we're going to be making a joke of in next month. We could be focusing on Gabe Newell's hair, but you know what I mean? Like, it, it does create that barrier. I just don't think it's going to be that much of a barrier. And I don't necessarily think as well that it will hinder people who really want to put their bad games on the service, essentially. Uh, but uh, then again, I don't know what the perfect solution for that is other than Valve bloody well doing their own cur- cur- curation that's the word i was looking for yeah um, which is something that we have said for years they really do need but of course that involves people that involves time that involves spending a lot of money well the kind of sales and platform team before Greenlight, obviously that was that was a curated store and it was a lot mm. harder to get your games on there and i think i love i love the community i the i the sort of sorry the communal uh idea behind green light i think i think i think that sort of the the initiative behind it is is really nice and supporting indie devs is 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 absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I think the number that they settle on for this sort of publishing fee, so or rather the application fee for each title and it is for each title. Um yep. that is going to be absolutely crucial because the high of like 5 grand that is that's too much. That's absolutely too much. If you're an indie dev really struggling to to sort of, you know, rub two pennies together, even one, even one thousand is going to be a hefty outlay, you know, considering like all the other expenditure that you have in your life, like rent and bills and food and travel and yeah. blah 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 blah. Um, like that's I, I don't like money necessarily as that kind of gate. Uh, now they said it's going to be a recoupable application fee, but you know, cash flow is a real is is. Is, is, is a real yeah. issue for a lot of bedroom developers. And, you know, that, that needs to be taken in, in, into consideration. And while there is a lot of dross on there now, I don't believe that that, so I don't believe that like nine bad games cancel out, uh, one amazing title that would never have been realized if it weren't for kind of like this, the green light process or this, this, yeah. uh, this direct sort of sign up system. Um, so I'd much rather have the sort of necessary evil, I guess, of nine crappy joke games that um, people will only replay for five minutes while still getting, like, one good game out of ten that's just freaking fantastic um, than kind of doing away with all of them or, or setting a benchmark or a barrier to entry that restricts um, those developers from even trying in the first place. Because what you don't want is for a budding indie dev to look at that price point and go, oh, I'm not even going to bother. 
Mm. That's absolutely what you don't want. Um, but it's a really difficult balance. And I understand where, like, the, the difficulty Valve have here because they don't want to be, they don't want to really do direct curation in that sort of sense because it takes a lot of time and the criteria, like, coming up with criteria can be a real ball ache and it's a difficult thing. Like, Apple, they, they want to get on with making crazy AI and absolutely. scanning brains. Like they don't want to be dealing with sort of going, yeah, this is a good game. Let's throw this on there. Like that, they want to get on with their own stuff, and so I understand that. But it's it's yeah, it's it's a very difficult situation that I don't think they're ever really going to have an ideal solution for. But no. this is one way of certainly handling it as long as they, like you say, they get that price point right. Yeah, I think that's going to be crucial. Um, and they spoke a little bit in their in their forum announcement as well of kind of improving discoverability a little bit more because they, they sort of highlighted two key two key areas for green light green green light green light um, that's where all the bad games go green light yeah, yeah. so yeah. so two so two two sort of key issues one was improving the pipeline for bringing new content to Steam and the other was finding more ways to connect customers with the type of type of games that they want um, and to be fair. I think uh the discoverability changes they've made in recent months have been really, really good. Um since they revamped like the entire store to give you a more personalized experience, that's gone down really, really well. And the feedback um they've said has been has been awesome. I'd love to see the working in terms of their outreach towards developers regarding feedback for this better path of digital distribution though. I'd love to it'd be really good to have a few round tables on this. I hope it comes up at some of the and a major events this year and we have sort of panels at, at some of the shows where you have you have indie devs talking about this because it's it it'd be really interesting just to sort of get a whole bunch of feedback on that um yeah. and see sort of stuff that they've been saying to Valve and that sort of things because at the end of the day yeah it's they're the ones that are going to be most affected by this um from a consumer standpoint Yes, it would be it would be good to maybe have a little bit more wheat than chaff, but it's it's all about trying to help indie devs realize their dreams, um, and well, help them realize their games, dreams, games, dreams, dreams, game dreams, dreams, dream lights, dream there we go. Light. Um, so yeah, it's good that Valve are, are talking to people. It's good that they're sort of. Thinking about reevaluating and revamping Greenlight to a certain extent, um, but yeah, I think I think that that application fee price point is going to be really, really key. Yeah. Yes. So yes, there are a couple more things that Valve have been up to this week. Like they announced that they're working on three full VR games as well. Yes, very very exciting. I mean, we we already kind of sort of knew this when Gabe Newell did his uh, Reddit AMA mm. uh, a few weeks ago but um, this is like the, the quote here when uh, I say we're building three g- games we're building f- three full games not experiments so it's not going to be like uh, The Lab which was the, the demo that they released alongside the HTC Vive mm. like this is going to be fully fledged experiences that's apparently going to be done in both Source 2 and Unity um, so it, that is going to be hugely exciting. I mean, like I say, we already knew that this was what they were going for. It does kind of show that in terms of certain games, they're clearly looking for something new before they release um, certain games. Uh, so, yeah, I, this is, again, not necessarily new news, but it's good to know that they are doing it. And now that that information's out there, it's amazing. Also, I just want to make the quick point that um, I'm super surprised that uh, Gabe Newell said the word three. Yeah. Yeah. So and the world didn't end. That's what you will. I know. Exactly. I think it's good for VR as well. Like, I, I think a lot of people are sort of hesitant, uh, myself included, in terms of VR, because there yeah. aren't necessarily enough full kind of experiences that really are killer apps. Yes. Um, yes. I think it helps that Resi 7... Is playable in like in terms of like the PlayStation VR. I think that's 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 a really that's a really big one because even because when PlayStation VR launched, for example, there weren't there weren't enough experiences there for me that you know I really actually 
really wanted to play, and that sort of stopped me from getting it. But you know, as yeah. uh, this is this is this is true of all of the devices, as more and more you know unmissable experiences uh, come out on on VR, the the more difficult it's going to be to to keep saying no, I guess, and eventually eventually I have to get one. But it's very exciting that Valve are working on sort of three, uh, as you say, fully fleshed out, fully fledged games for VR. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've kind of discussed this as well, the fact that the HTC Vive is probably doing the better in terms of uh, the VR landscape at the moment. Like, don't get me wrong, um, actual VR as a whole hasn't been doing that well, but Vive has been doing better. And if anybody is going to get people excited about being able to play certain games in VR, it's going to be Valve. Yeah. It really, really is. So... They only have to say a certain couple of words and people will be just running for pre-orders and putting them down and going, yes! Shut up yes, and take my money! Yes. Yeah. Um, so, it's again, it's very exciting, but then again, it could just be ricocheting. <laughs> yeah. Could work. Like, you think about it. You, you've got the, the, the Vive controllers, you like a proper racket. It could, could work. It could work. Could work. Mm. Um, but yes, very exciting stuff, but Again, we've had Valve say they're going to do things before and it not actually happen. Indeed. So, Indeed. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's see you do the games, Valve. Let's see you do the games. <laughs> yes. The, the Greems. The Greems. Bring out those Greems. I greams. want to see the Greems. Draw um, some happy news. Draw some happy news. I, lo- I, I love happy news. Some happy yeah. news. Some happy news. A game that we both really love and, in fact, named our favourite game of last year. Uh, it's yep. been revealed. Final Fantasy Fifteen. Broke yep. even on launch day, which is such good news. Which is such which is actually and is actually staggeringly impressive. It is like considering how long that game was in development and how much they spent on it. The fact that it broke even um, is is absolutely great. It's the fastest. Like, it's the fastest selling game in the series history. It broke even at launch. They're super happy with it. Um, and actually, like I think, I think actually it's. It's important to note that after after all of the kind of Square Renix's hemorrhaging money on, or rather has ridiculously high sales targets for things um, in the last kind of few years, like we had, there yeah. have been a number of stories. Actually, a lot for a lot of its Western IPs, I think it had sort of really inflated sales predictions for a number of things. But to see Final Fantasy fifteen, which wasn't a sure thing, like no. like it's a miracle this game ever actually came, even has, has even released. <laughs> Um, yeah. To see it break even at launch is, is just really cool. And it's, it's really, but it makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah, as you should. Much like riding a chocobo. Much like riding a chocobo. Yes. Mm. Um, so yeah, happy news there. Some, uh, some other interesting things from a major publisher. Uh, Watch Dogs 2, which didn't necessarily get, um, the best sales reception. Or even if the reviews were no. was, was slightly more favourable than than its predecessor on launch, um, Ubisoft have announced that that's been performing better uh, via word of mouth after what they've termed a kind of soft launch period. Um, mm, I don't think that's necessarily the right term, but I, I understand why they used it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, not the, not necessarily the right term. But I mean, it is good. I mean, I think it, one of the bigger big advantages they've had in terms of turning it around. One has been word of mouth and people saying that, yes, oh, wow, this, this sound box of basically messing around in San Francisco is, is great. But, of course, they recently had their um, their free weekend yeah, where they gave everybody three hours to mess about in Watch Dogs 2. And even I had a go, and I just went, actually, this is kind of cool. Like, I, I do want to give this another, uh, like, a proper full go. I am going to get it eventually. But for a lot of people, that did actually tip them over. And it's done well. And to be fair, Ubisoft have been doing really well with doing this sort of approach. I mean, you look at how um, Rainbow Six Siege did when it first came out. That The sales for that were not very good at all the fact that they had to do an, a starter pack to try and entice people in and it has kind of worked the the fact that they had their season pass which released things very slowly over the course of the year has really worked to the point that they they've started season 2 um this week in fact and starting to send stuff off and it's it shows that they are really invested in terms of 
doing games as a service and building upon that and allowing the communities to grow and they're doing that approach with for honor they have done it with the division after finally fixing the 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 base game of itself with uh, patch 1.4 so it's 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 not necessarily just watchdogs like this is been a recurring theme across all of their current ips but it's really good to see that watchdogs has done well because it, it is a good game it is um and yeah ubisoft have announced they're not going to be working on quite as many new ips instead preferring especially this year to sort of knuckle down and yeah. really build on the, the games that they've invested in already um and i actually although we love new ips new ips are great i do like this from a sort of consolidation perspective and we're seeing that yeah. we, you're you're right we're seeing this more and more with with big companies going okay let's let's start thinking about seasons for our games let's start thinking about giving those people who've invested in our titles as much longevity in terms of gameplay as we can and bringing them fresh content uh throughout the coming months sort of thing and i i, I really like that approach like i think that's laudable i think that's applaudable um and what I like to see as well is actually this model of try before you buy coming back in a digital sense. Cause yes. it, it's, it underpins things like EA Access, for example, which will give you 10 hours of kind of access to a game ahead of release. Um, you know, for, for no more I mean, than the. You've got to pay for that admitting. Yeah, but, but, yeah. but you're literally paying, it's literally like three quid a month. Um, or okay, somewhere between three and five quid a month for EA access, which is just nothing really in the grand scheme of things. In the yeah, in the grand yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and yeah, you 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 get that early access, and then you get the well, you almost recoup that if you end up buying it because you get the ten percent off. Um, when then you buy through Origin. Mm. So, and we're seeing this obviously Steam free weekends. Um, we talked a little bit about the betas that 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 kind of. Uh, come try, see if you like the general mechanics and then, and then buy the game. And you're right, giving people access to experience what your game's like and experience for themselves why they should buy it. Um, yeah, I think, I think that, well, the proof, the proof is in the pudding. Like, like we can see it yeah. in the stats right there. Watch Dogs 2 well, it's, just it's not, again, so much you, better. You brought up, you brought up PA and, um, the demo for FIFA 17 worked really well because you got that small slice of the journey which has done really really well and the fact they're bringing that back for next year shows how well it's been as a component of the series but you also got to play the the, the rest of the game for uh like for an entire weekend and that was a really good demo and that shifted a number of copies for ea sports as well so it is i i, I agree it's something that i would like to see come back in um in greater greater amounts and that's do telling. that games companies yes please do i mean i mean that's telling as well like the fact that it creates a noticeable difference even for one of the most enormous brands in terms of video games on the planet um the fact that you know ea sports will see an uptick uh in sort of fifa user acquisition as a result of that like yeah it, it's a no-brainer if you can do this you, you totally should because yeah it it works. Like it's quite, it, it's quite clearly working. And hats off to Ubisoft for, um, and, and also the Watch Dogs 2 team, because it is, it is a really good game, um, for, for extending the tail of it. Uh, so yes. Good, good job. Good job, Ubisoft. Good job. We, we good don't boom. say that often, but good job. Well, yes. Well, yes. well, well played. Well played. Right. It's time to play Is This News? No. It's time we've scoured the internet for for a trio of of headlines that I'm going to put to Carl and ask if they constitute actual news. Um because <laughs> because because not all news is actually news. Uh and it's up this to us to sort out the news from the non-news. The news from the fake news, if you will. No. Oh, oh, oh. Cool, right. Can we can we just call it news judgment? Ne- News judgment. Yes. Well, I'll tell you what, like, if, if I say a headline that you don't think is news, you can shout a projection, Phoenix Wright style. Ooh, I like that. And people, people can imagine you in like a blue suit, like with spiked hair. With, with, with funky hair. It'll be, yeah. Yeah. I think. That, that could be a thing. Okay. Let's do this. I'm a thing. Bring, right. Bring, okay. So bring the news for so judgments. First, first headline comes from VG247 and it reads, 
Hideo Kojima on why he won't be making any horror games right now, quote, I get scared very easily, so it ends up giving me bad dreams, unquote. Is this news? It's freaking adorable is what it is. <laughs> um, like, <laughs> oh, like, to be fair, PT was goddamn terrifying. Oh, God. Like, <laughs> oh, I, my, I don't, oh I don't blame Lord. him. Like, and it's, I mean, although saying that, I mean, what we've seen of Death Stranding isn't exactly sunshine and lollipops. <laughs> like, you've got Guillermo del Toro just like holding a baby in a jar <laughs> with a scar on his forehead, and Mads Mikkelsen kind of like sinisterly smiling at people as like cables float around from him. So, you know what? It is a bit weird. Apparently that's not horror enough. He's still going to do that. But yeah, like, I don't blame him. Horror games are scary. They are scary. Like, Alien Isolation Which gave is me nightmares. kind of the intention. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh. Like, I think a small part of my brain is still trapped in that locker. <laughs> on Sevastopol Station. Um, but I like, I like the, I mean, this, this just sort of solidifies Kojima as just like an absolute dude and a real auteur when it comes to like video game development. Because yeah, if you're not scaring yourself with your scary games, that's, yeah, I suppose it's, 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 it's part of his process. It makes it real. It makes it real. It? If it's, if it's real for Kojima, hopefully it'll be real for us. That's, that's the idea behind it. And I quite like that. I'm not sure it's news, but as you say, it is adorable. It is freaking adorable. We love, uh, we love you, Kojima. We love you. Yes. Cool. Right. Special Kojima-san. Okay. So, so not, not necessarily news, but adorable nonetheless. Um, yes. we're zero it'll for, pass. We're zero <laughs> for one. Right. Our next one comes from the International Business Times by well, Kotaku by way of the International Business Times. And the IBT headline reads, If Destiny 2 is delayed until 2018, Activision acquires a, quote, hefty chunk of Bungie shares. That's a damning, damning headline. That's a really damning headline. Is it news? Well, I mean... If, if that is actually kind of correct in, in its <laughs> accuracy, then maybe. Like, I mean, th- that's a pretty big thing. If that's actually true, then, you know, a studio losing its, um, independence, uh, because it's not able to deliver on time. I mean, that's, that's pretty big. Yeah. I think, I, yeah, it definitely would be news. Um, if it was, if it was absolutely confirmed and definitely true. But as we say, like, going back to the Kotaku article from which this report, although it wasn't Mark's report, um, was published, uh, basically comes in the last sentence where it says, here's an interesting bit of news to consider. If Bungie misses this year for Destiny 2, Activision is awarded a hefty chunk of the independent studio's stock, according to two sources familiar with goings on at Bungie, which is the most wishy-washy source thing. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. Two sources familiar with goings on at Bungie. So it could be the janitor. Um, <laughs> it could be like the rat that is sort of living in the roof of the building. Um, in the, re- in the vents. In the, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It could be, it could be the man that's just been living in the vents for some time. Um, but. <laughs> w Chang. So yeah, while, while this would be news, I think it's important that Kotaku first ran the story without Bungie actually commenting. Although they did then update the story with a comment from Bungie, where Bungie said, there is no scenario where Activision or any other partner we work with is awarded Bungie stock. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> that headline suddenly becomes so sensationalist that it is not news. Yeah, it, it becomes, it, it becomes fake news. Which is, uh, I, I mean, I, I hate, I, I haven't made this clear, I hate that term, but in this particular case, it very much is. Yeah. And this is, this is, this is the trouble with, this is the trouble with art, with, with, with games news sites ripping news from other sites without doing their own investigative work. Yeah. And it happens everywhere in this industry. And it's not just this industry. It happens, man, the, the, the sad thing is, is that it happens actually all over the place now. It's just hearsay, hearsay and rumor without, I think it might have been slightly, slightly better if IBT had actually kind of said rumor or report because Kotaku's, to its credit, doesn't mention, um, well, it doesn't, it doesn't mention the, uh, the potential stock changing hands in its, in its headline. 
Uh, it does sort of, by, by saying according to two sources, familiar with goings on. It's, I guess, I <laughs> guess, I guess the yeah. disclaimer's there. I mean, it does call it news, but, hmm. Uh, and then, and then they actually post the update. But yeah, for the, for IBT to sort of, Take this on, turn it into. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. wait. Sorry, just did you did you just say that they post the update after they didn't post it at the top? Yeah, no, they, they, they posted it in line. Huh. Okay, carry on. Sorry. Yes. Um, but I, I guess that's okay because it's not necessarily the subject of the story, but it's still it's still a grey area of bad journalism all round. Yes, uh, it's 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 really not how you should be approaching it at all, and it's something that back when we were doing the the news uh, scraping at Dealspone, we we made sure everything was in line before we post it. Like, or or if we weren't too sure, we would put a huge report in block capitals before the actual thing, and even say take it with a pinch of salt. Yeah, um, we were very clear about that, and I think, I think. Uh, I- Sites don't necessarily do that very much anymore. There, there, are, there are quite there are a few sites that really have that in the headline, where it's just report rumor in big capital letters. And you know, there is some cynicism around that. It's just like, well, if you have to write that, should you really be running that story? And it's, the fact of the matter is that, well, sites run these sorts of stories all the time. But I yeah. do think you've got to make it clear. You have to make it really clear to the reader. It's just like this is from. Sources that either might be slightly unreliable, or like, I mean, you 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 never want to say you you never want to dispute the the credibility of your own sources, but you do need to be truthful and forthcoming with your audience to say, look, this is not necessarily news. And Kotaku do use the word news, and IBT went a step further and just reported on it as if it were fact. That's not good journalism. So it is not. So no, this is not news. It's not an objection. Yeah, it's a travesty. Yes, it is. Objection, so I'll go. accept it. Um, good. So, yeah, so, but, final headline. Final mm. headline. And this one comes from a, a well-respected bastion of gaming journalism, Eurogamer. And the headline reads, Fans really want to have sex with Mass Effect's new alien. Is this news? <sighs> I can't tell if that was an arousal sound or... Objection. (laughs) Who cares? Who cares? Apparently... Really? Apparently lots of people. This is one of the most popular articles on Eurogamer, in terms of its comments, at least, because obviously we don't have access to its freaking analytics. But in terms of, like, in terms of user engagement, this has been, this has been very popular indeed. Um, so, so what have they actually said? What's made them say that people really want to have sex with the new alien in, in Mass Effect Andromeda? They've basically combed the unofficial Bioware forums for uh, a bunch of quotes saying, he's beautiful, that's the cutest thing I've seen in a while, I'm going to bang that monocle rat lobster, things like that. Um, <laughs> Just Objection. So like, well, 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 you know, combing forums for amusing quotes is, is, yeah, unofficial is entertaining. Forums, yeah. That, um, uh, is it news? No, no, it is not. God damn it. You're a gamer. You should know better. I mean, admittingly, if it's getting them the hits, then, you know, they're going to do it. But, oh, no, no, it is not. No. Oh dear. So, no. so we're zero for three on this week's edition of Is This News? Terrible news all round, frankly. Terrible news. <laughs> Terrible news. Although, although, thank you, Kojima, for being the cutest thing this week. Yes, yes. Definitely, definitely adorable. Um, so, yeah, that concludes this segment of Is This News. Uh, unfortunately, we've got to follow that up with um, Why Is This a Thing? Oh, God. And uh, I'm going to let you take us through this one because basically it just it looks to me like a bunch of like popular YouTubers have been promoting fifa gambling sites to kids they have i mean we, we've already seen earlier in well earlier last year there was a whole thing with pro syndicate and another um live streamer who um did the whole thing with csgo lotto yeah and the whole of gambling with skins in that 
Um, but it's also happened with a FIFA Ultimate Team streamer, uh, a guy by the name of Craig Douglas, who goes by the name of Nepenthes. And he opened a website called Foot Galaxy where you gambled the FIFA Ultimate Team virtual currency um, and basically you could win thousands of pounds worth of the currency for your for you in game. Um, now that that's shady enough as it is, but the problem has come up where uh, Nepenthes did a video um, where he says, "Oh, I found this great site called Foot Galaxy," and then goes on to gamble on the website and wins thousands of pounds worth of the uh, the credit in his video, and then encourages his viewers to do the same, while not once saying that he was one of the owners of that website. So, yeah, that, that, that's basically where the, uh, the British Gambling Commission came in and went, that is not on, oh no you don't, we're basically going to be taking away. Because he was effectively, one, he didn't uh, kind of like show that he, well, I, I feel he didn't do enough to show that he was um, the owner of the site. And two, he really was promoting it to minors. Because essentially, that's what, like his audience is fairly young, and it, oh, it just 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 really gets me angry. However, he was um, he was taken to court. Um, he pled guilty, pleaded guilty. Sorry, I should use the, the correct words. Uh, he pleaded guilty um, to the charges at the beginning of last week dis- um, after claiming innocence up until then, and the Gambling Commission has fined him £91,000, whereas his business partner, by the name of Dylan Rigby, has been fined £164,000 for his involvement. Um, and Douglas has since gone on saying that, you know, thanking his fans and has, like said, you know, that the worst year of his life is over. But I'm going to make this point. The website is still functional. It is still taking in bets. You can't access it from the UK, but other countries around the world can go onto Foot Galaxy and bet their FIFA Ultimate Team coins. He is still making money from that. He is still benefiting from that website. And I think it's absolutely disgusting. It's it's like, I, I don't understand... Well, I mean, I can understand why people are doing it, because it's streamers, they're trustworthy, you know, we, they're, they're one of us, they're one of... You know, they're, they're my friend. They say, hey, guys, at the beginning of the videos. It's like, yeah, there's my friend. And it's it just annoys me so much that people think that they can get away with that, because it's very clear that they know what they're doing is shady. It's it's clearly not above the law. It's It's... it's it's just oh it's really bad I mean, Matt, what yeah what, what's your take on all of it's, this because i mean yeah it's, it's, i've it's had enough really, ranting. it's really bad i mean the first is like oh by the way you don't have to be you don't have to be over 18 because yeah it's a game it's a game yeah. it's like that that's that's some really really leading bullshit that is i think so the UK Gambling Commission weighed in on this as well, and and its boss, Sarah Harrison, was like, this is one of the most serious cases that's been investigated and prosecuted by the commission. The defendants knew mm. the site was used by children. They knew their conduct was illegal. They turned a blind eye to it in order to achieve substantial pro- profits. Um, she goes on to say, all websites offering gambling facilities in Britain must be licensed. And this is key. Like, licensing is there to protect minors. It's to protect children and vulnerable people. And so, you know, rightly so, they can no longer operate in the UK. Unfortunately, that just means there's going to be unlicensed gambling going on on there in, in several other countries. And if you have, um, well, the thing I, w- I worry about is that people will try and, people in the UK will try and find a way around it for some bizarre reason if they're hooked or addicted or whatever, because, you know, addiction does happen. Um, yeah. And, and we'll try and find ways, whether that's via VPNs or whatever, and, yeah, to your point, they're still raking the money in. Though they've been hit with these fines. Um, there was talk of jail time. I, I, I think the, I think the court should throw the book at them. They really should. Um, uh, I mean, at the same time, I think that, that hopefully this is setting a precedent so they can go after others that have done this. Because the one thing that really disgusted me was the fact that this whole thing with, um, with Pro Syndicate happened. Uh, with the CSGO Lotto, and nothing really came about it at all, other than Steam um, 
withdrawing access to the site to use Steam's networks to kind of log in for it. And like loads of people, like big websites kind of went, oh God, how terrible is this? Including Eurogamer. And then sort of like a few weeks later, it's like, oh yes, come meet Pro Syndicate at Eurogamer Expo. And it was just like... <laughs> this kind of thing really annoys me because it's kind of like, yes, this is terrible, but we're going to keep going because money. Yeah. We're gonna get. We're like EA aren't gonna really try and look to shut it down because money. Uh, Valve aren't really gonna go and sort of like throw the book at everyone because money. It, it's just so annoying, and it's 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 a real it, because our industry is so young in comparison to like uh, betting on sports and things like that. Th- people are trying to do everything that all the old tricks and hoping that oh no one will count this catch us this time because you know we're trustworthy we're streamers we're youtubers yay and they are slowly getting caught but it's the the fact that we're not actually really jumping on it and going no is really annoying me like really throwing the book they need to throw the book at these people and show that this cannot be done this isn't them making a simple mistake which some of the some of Nepenthes' followers are saying, it's, oh, yeah, it's, don't worry, man. Everybody makes mistakes. You just made one mistake. It, he duped you. He did. And he's continuing to dupe you. And y- no, that is not on. He clearly knew what he was doing. He clearly knew who he was aiming at. And he should be punished. Like, it, it is not on. It's not like he was a, so like, a 19 or 20-something um, YouTube streamer. He's 32. And, he should know better. And, and to that point, like, yeah, the the ignorance plea is ridiculous. That's why they pleaded guilty. Um, yeah. And it's but it's important to note, like, we are not a, at all attacking gambling in general. Like, gambling gambling is an activity that's, that people, plenty of people enjoy wonderfully, legally, responsibly, in moderation. It's great. This guy went on his channel promoting a gambling site he owned without disclosing it encouraging minors to do the same and that's why like that's why the court should throw the book at him that's why people are angry that's why that's that's a shitty that's a dick move that's a fucking dick move shame on you craig douglas shame on you like that is it's just really bad and you're right it's sickening it's actually sickening um i don't want to talk about it anymore because yeah it's a terrible thing. It's just a terrible we thing. Move on. Why is this a thing? Unfortunately, we've answered our own question there. We've asked, like it's a thing because because there are dicks in this world. Yeah. And people there are exploitative dicks in this world. So sadly, sadly we have an answer this week for why is this a thing. <laughs> um, but hopefully hopefully this will help commissions, this will help regulating bodies get a little bit more wise because as you say, this is a young industry but it's moving fast and the thing is more more archaic institutions are struggling to catch up. This is a high-profile case, um, and yeah, it's hit the news, and hopefully it is a wake-up call, and people start cracking down on this. Not to impinge on you know the 99.9% of people who gamble responsibly, but to clamp down on yeah exploitative pricks like like Douglas and Rigby. So yeah, I'm done. I'm done talking about these guys yeah, now. We're done. done. Yeah, we're done. Done. Drop mic. Um, so yeah I don't really want to end on an angry note no I don't either uh, surely there's something nice that we can talk about happy thoughts happy thoughts we can, we can go back to Hideo Kojima we can go back to Hideo Kojima <laughs> and being scared being his adorable adorable I mean, self Project you know? Cars 2 is happening officially happening it that's is that's good news because yeah. that was that was oh my god that was a serious game that was that was really good um, Portal HoloLens so, so AR sure. should definitely be a thing Oh, good God, that looks amazing. Jesus. Like, I mean, yes, okay, the the development kit for the HoloLens costs, uh, you know, a mortgage. But still, <laughs> like, having that ability to do that is freaking amazing. Because, I mean, I've said this a couple of times. Um, really, the ne- I think the big step is the, when we kind of merge AR and VR together and have it so that you can flick between one of the two or intricate, intricate, kind of integrate both to create this seamless experience. Um, it, that's the big step. So for me, this kind of thing of putting Portal into the, like AR and real life, in a sense, is is it's just super cool. It's, it really oh is. Oh god! Can you just imagine, imagine. What if that's one of the games that Valve's working on? 
don't dare. Real life portal. Dare we dream oh about sort of a portal V A V R augment portal just... augmented virtual re- Oh my god. Oh my god, I'd buy a Vive. I'd sell it. I'd, no, I'd sell it. To... Need... I'd, I'd starve yeah. for the rest of the year. You can live just on one to kidney, one. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, it's fine. fine. It's totally it's fine. fine. Oh man. I'd never leave. Oh, that, that... I'd never leave the game. No. Never. Never. And all they'd have to do is put like a virtual like chocobo like taming training game in there. That'd be great. You could, you could take take selfies with your with your chocobo. Yeah. Sing to your chocobo. I wanna ride my chocobo all day. It'd be so specific. It'd, so it'd be amazing. I'd yeah. I'd never leave. Yet sadly, we must leave. We uh, must, yes. We've come to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, do check us out on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Um, and check out the, the YouTube channel as well. You can find highlights from these podcasts. Uh, but yeah, we'll see you next time for another hot slice of, of game buzz. Uh, <laughs> until then. <laughs> cheers, folks. All right. Bye bye. Bye.